0: In the first session, we review the message of First Corinthians chapter ten, verses fourteen through twenty two. We indicated that the message is that believers should avoid idolatry, since everything associated with it is incomprehensible with the Christian faith, exposes one to demons, and harm one's fellowship. With the Lord, and I emphasize there are three aspects of things that are mentioned there in the message that if you follow and think through, you find that that summarizes the whole passage that we're studying. Now we gave reasons for the prohibitions. There are three. The first one is that believers are to avoid idolatry because of the nature of the Lord's supper. The cup indicates sharing in the death of Christ and the blessings, especially that of forgiveness of our sins. The bread indicating that we are part of the body of Christ. So it will be it will not be proper for somebody who celebrates that to be involved in idolatry. The second thing is the second reason has to do with the nature of Israel's of Israel's sacrifices or sacrifices in general and so with with that uh, we say that yes there are sacrifices by Israel and we have gone through that of Israel last study to indicate that it formed it created a bond so to say between them and God and between each other so for someone who has been bonded to God or united to God to go and be involved in idolatry it's also improper and so, having gone through that, we said we uh, began our study in the first half with looking at the nature of sacrifices of the pagans. And that we said there are uh, two things that the apostle conveyed. The first is that there is no reality to them because the idols. That are reflections of uh, pagan gods are not real. Now, this fact is meant in verse 19 when he says, I mean that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything. That is what the apostle is uh, focusing on. Now, so the sacrifice to idols are not real. But the elements of what is sacrificed They are, they are real the, They are not real in the sense That idols cannot be something That truly represent the gods that they worship So in order to get a further meaning Or understanding of idol We say the word idol A, a, a Greek word Aedalium E-I-D-O-L-O-N and we said in order to understand what that really means in the mind of the apostle since he's a Jew we went through looked at different Hebrew words and I laid it out and kept uh, tying them down and uh, during break I realized why the screen went boom. I mean the way they did This is exactly my my head in the morning. That's where I want to lay it out. But if I use what I was doing before, it wasn't coming that way. So now I realize why the Lord did that. Okay, that's just something for you to think about. Anyway, so here is the thing that uh, we have looked at, and so we, uh, having seen that, the we realize from what we studied in the first half that the apostle. His point is this If you are trying to represent something You have to see what you are trying to represent Now The gods are real They are lesser gods alright But they are real But no one has seen them so, to say, so how can you represent what you have not seen So that's why the apostles say It has no significance The idols, those images Whatever they do Yes in their mind, they think it is real. Apostles say, no, they are not real. Because they cannot be a representation of something you have never seen. So how do you know that what you are representing is, is uh, true? So with that, we indicated that Apostle Paul certainly knew that there is no reality to any sacrifice a pagan uh, people make towards their idols. But then that the apostle himself when he said that he was not just talking merely from his observation that these things are not real, but that the Holy Spirit brought in his mind a passage in Psalm hundred and fifteen verses four to seven. That that's what was in his mind as he began to uh, expand on the fact that these things are not real. The idols are not real. And these are so it is this passage of Psalm 115, verses four through seven, is exactly where we begin our second half. Psalm 115, verse four reads, "But their idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths, they cannot speak; eyes, but they cannot see." They have ears they cannot hear, noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands they cannot feel, feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. So that's the passage that we believe the Holy Spirit brought to the man of the apostle, as he was writing this passage was studying. Now the word idols here though Is translated from A Hebrew word Asab as If you recall that's the second word we looked at In the uh, in, in the Hebrew text But uh, it is Then translated In the Septuagint Which is what the apostles uh, read a lot Is the Septuagint Now the Septuagint Instead of the word idol use our Greek word Delon. So the description of idols then, Given in this passage of some Indicates that idols are lifeless Powerless And ineffective And so are not real Or do not have any significance So anyway It is a passage Such as this that they enabled the apostle to declare that the nature of the sacrifices the pagans offer to their idols is that there is no reality to them, or they have no significance. Just as the idols themselves are not real, therefore it will be senseless to be involved in something that is not real, that is idolatry. Now all the same, the false declaration regarding the nature of the sacrifices that the pagans offer to their idols is that there is no reality to them because the idols that are supposed to be reflections of the gods of the pagans uh, worship are not real. Again, they are not real because how can you represent something you haven't seen? If you saw something and represent, then it makes sense, at least. But how can it represent something you've never seen? So, the first declaration, then, of the Apostle Paul, about the nature of the sacrifices the pagans offer to their idols, is simply an acknowledgement that idols are not real, but that does not really mean that they are not intended to represent something that is real. Idols are intended to represent the gods, the pagans worship. An idol is an image with a physical object that is considered an image intended to represent an external form of, of a person or a thing. I tell, for example, a picture is an image. Of the external form of a person, so that it should help to identify as person. In other words, I know we're, before we got into the age of texting and whatever people do and all that, uh, many times you find this that uh, if you live in big cities or even go to airport to pick up somebody you've never known before, you've never seen, but they sent you a picture. So with that picture, you start looking when people pass around, and that picture will represent to help you identify the person. Now, however, here is the problem: gods are transcendent beings, as the Apostle had already established, or he communicated to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, chapter eight, verse five. First Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 5. This is what we started this long time ago, but it reads, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, So if the gods, the pagans Worship are transcendent beings It's impossible to have Images or idols that represent them Because they're transcendent beings Supernatural beings It is in part for this reason That God forbids any attempt to represent him As conveyed in what Moses Stated to Israel in Deuteronomy Chapter four, verses fifteen through eighteen Luteronomy Chapter Four, Verses fifteen through eighteen. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. Here we have an explanation why Israel could not represent God. Look at what it says. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourself very carefully, so that you do not become corrupt." And make for yourselves An idol An image of any shape Would have formed like a man Or a a woman Or like any animal on the earth Or any bird that flies in the air Or like any creature That moves along the ground Or any fish In the waters below That's what God said You didn't uh, try God spoke to them They didn't see any form so what are you going to represent? So the point though. Is that. It is impossible. To represent. A transcendent being. With an image. Or idol. Now such representation. Will not be real. Since. It could not capture. The form. Of the God. In view. can capture it. So. When the Apostle stated that idols are nothing, he does not mean that there are no gods that the pagans were trying to represent, only that the representations are not real. It is so that there is no misunderstanding of what the Apostle was teaching that he began 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20, that we're starting with a Greek word. That the translators of the NIV Rendered No but Look at verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 10 They have no but Now although The Greek particle Used has uh, Several meanings or usages But in our passage it has a meaning But To indicate what the apostle Stated in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 19 is a settled matter That Sacrifices made to idols have no reality or significance. And so what he stated forms the basis for the apostle to make a transition to something new that he wants the Corinthians to become aware regarding the nature of the sacrifices the pagans offered. Now there is a sense that the Greek particle used is used to add another fact in verse 20 that the Corinthians should become aware. Does the Greek particle brings us to a second declaration of the apostle regarding the nature of sacrifices that pagans offered. The first one has no significance. It's not real. So the second one or the second declaration of the apostle uh, regarding the nature of the sacrifices that pagans offer to their idols is that they expose the participants to demons and not the true, I mean the supreme God of the universe. In other words, any form of idolatry, whether you want it or whether you like it, whether you accept it, as soon as you do it you are exposed to demons that's what we're studying that's what the apostle is trying to convey and like, like I said in the fourth half a whole lot of us as believers we are being tormented by demons and we don't know that because we are choking it to something else or because we got involved in some form of idolatry and we don't know that anyway it is this fact though that uh, Adulatory exposes someone to de- demons that is given them in the clause of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. Where we're starting, look at that. It says, The sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. Now, there is a manuscript problem with this clause, as we may note from the fact that some English versions, such as the Lexiham, English Bible and the and Christian Standard Bible for example. The way they read this is a, they read it this way. No, but I do say that what they sacrifice they sacrifice to demons and not to God. So it's a lot longer than what the NIV has. Now it is generally accepted by scholars that although some older Manuscripts contain the Greek phrase translated pagans or Gentiles in our English versions. That such reading uh, was introduced to avoid any confusion of what a reader may encounter in trying to interpret what the apostle meant. Now, it's also accepted that the reading that is. Uh, Found in most ancient manuscripts, although may have been a gloss, but that it accurately interprets what the Apostle meant it to say. Now, that notwithstanding, it is the reading reflected in some Greek manuscripts that literally reads, but that which they sacrifice. The sacrifice to demons and not to God. That reading is what we believe that was really in the original of what the apostle wrote. Now the original clause the apostle wrote that literally reads, But that which they sacrifice, they sacrifice to uh, demons and not to God. Raises an important question of who is meant in the pronoun they. Because look at the little Greek race bet that which they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. So who are they? That's the question that we have to raise. Now I mean, knowing that uh, an I.V. He said he have it in a very simple way, the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons. So that may give the idea uh, who we're referring to, but the. Literal Greek presents a problem. Now, the, there are two facts that complicate the identification of those the Apostle had in mind. The first fact is the last noun mentioned in the passage that we are considering is Israel. In First Corinthians, where we're studying, uh, look at ten verse eighteen. Look at verse eighteen. Verse 18 of the passage we we're studying says, Consider the people of Israel. That's the last mention now. Israel. Do not those who eat sacrifice participate in the altar. So then, this will suggest the apostle was referring to Israel, because that's the last mention now. Because this is the thing that when we study the Bible, it's not that simple. You say, They who are they? Now, so, since that's the last noun mentioned, it will mean that when he said they, it's referring to Israel. Now, the second fact also is that the apostle quoted or used words from the Septuagint of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 17. Now, hold on to Deuteronomy once you get to it. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. It reads, They sacrifice to demons, which are not gods. Gods, they had not known. Gods that recently appeared. Gods, Your fathers did not fear. So, this passage in Deuteronomy is part of the song of Moses, in which he indicted Israel of rebellion against their God, despite his faithfulness to them. He's indicting them. That's before he departed from this life. He said, "You have seen God's faithfulness, yet you're going into all this worship of idols or demons, and you sacrifice them to them." So he chastised them for it. Of course he blessed them. The Father, God blessed them, is indicated by the concept of fatness. See, in that Deuteronomy chapter 32, look at verse 15. Verse 15. reads Jeshurun, grew fat and kicked. Filled with blood, he became heavy and slick. He abandoned the God who made him and rejected the rock his savior. So, here is the thing. If Israel has been blessed. In other words, they go through the same curse a whole lot of us in this country and many other parts of the world go through. Sometimes when people are in need they are more devoted to God. But once they start prospering, God becomes something I, you know, they don't pay too much attention. It's, I mean, they give him a little service. It's not like people don't go to church. For example, who are believers? They go. They, yeah, are just to you know, fulfill all, as they say, all righteousness. I went to church today. That's all it is. But if people are really suffering, it drives them closer and closer to God. So that is the test most of us believers in this country face because of the tremendous blessing. God has poured upon us, And what that does, is a test. Is. So Israel failed that. And we all, I mean most of us, we are failing miserably too. Because a little prosperity which God becomes secondary issue. So that's why he says, grew fat and kicked. Anyway, so Israel, instead of Israel remaining faithful to their God, they opted to serve foreign gods. And so sacrifice to these foreign gods that are then designated demons. Now, similar unfaithfulness of the Israelites sacrificing to demons is mentioned by the psalmist in Psalm 106 verse 37. Psalm 106 Verse thirty-seven, Psalms hundred and six, verse thirty-seven. Verse thirty-seven. It reads, "They sacrifice their sons and their daughters to demons." See. Now the implication of these two. Charges is that Israel of the past indeed sacrificed to demons, but that was not what was expected of them because they have seen the manifestation of the true God of Israel or the supreme God, they've seen that they did. This going into idolatry, they did it once they began to rebel against their God. Nonetheless, the pagans were those who normally sacrificed to the gods or demons. If you recall our study in chapter 8, where we say God took Israel and abandoned the nations, the rest of the nations, to these gods. And Israel. Instead of what God has done, we didn't want to go back and join the nations. <laughs> Which is, in a sense to me, that's part of some of the things we Christians do today. Because we have now been chosen, we've been plucked out of the nations of the war. Yet we want to go back and do the same thing the wars are doing. The same thing. It has always, you know, it's something I just, I rack my head and shake. How is it that it is now very difficult to actually differentiate a Christian from an unbeliever in this country. They do the same thing they do. What is the difference? All over the world? That's what we all have to keep struggling. You can't be doing the same thing as an unbeliever and say, "Well, I'm, I'm a believer, and you're not." Yes, God knows you well are, but He chose you. But the unbeliever doesn't know that, and so no matter what you say they don't, they don't pay you attention. Because they don't see a difference between you and them. So if we don't show any difference in everything we do, the result is we have no credibility. Now, I mean, we deceive ourselves. We think we do. We don't. And it continues to erode gradually. Now, what I'm saying is, you know, I've been here for uh, 48 years plus. When I saw God there, I saw the, the way they respected preachers, for example. You know, um, not that it really matters. I remember as a student in Mississippi State, wo- working in the cafeteria, washing dishes and so forth. And some of these people let out this, and some of I said, preacher, oh, you know, and I said, what is that? You already later was in your mind. But at least that told me that, oh, they, they have some respect for pastors or preachers, whatever they call them. But then, it doesn't exist. Why? Because, since the 80s, look at what happened with the evangelists. See what happened? That immediately dropped the credibility of pastors. And this is why he asked my brain that we Christians don't see, you know, like, take an example of this country. There's a whole lot of us are saying things are going bad and destroyed. Now, who are doing it? Christians are doing it. You say, what are you talking about? Yes. I'm saying, unbelievers are not called the light, the salt. We are called. So when things are not mixing well, it's the fault is on us as believers. And part of the reason is because we become idolaters. We follow the wall, we do everything. So that's what Israel, in spite of all these blessings, they went to go and let's be like the other nations. And so let's sacrifice to these idols, not knowing that they're dealing with demons. So the fact then that uh, Israel rebelled. And going to uh, sacrifice to idols is part of the reason we have a problem in the literal Greek of 1 Corinthians 10 verse twenty, that we're studying. Now see, the, so what I'm saying is that these two facts then that we considered presented a confusion as to what the apostle had in mind when he wrote the Greek. What is translated by that which they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. As we have stated previously, to remove this confusion, some ancient Greek manuscripts incited the Greek phrase that may be translated the pagans or the Gentiles, so that it will be clear that the apostle was not speaking of ancient Israel, but pagan Corinthians as those who sacrificed to their gods, the apostle described here as demons. Now, the problem with this insertion in the Greek text, though, is that it does not fit the Greek grammatical rule where what's a neutral plural in the Greek usually takes a singular verb. That's the problem. Now, that notwithstanding, the addition of the clause, uh, as some describe it, appears to correctly interpret what the apostle meant. He's not talking about Israel but the pagans. In effect. He was referring to He was not referring to ancient Israel. But to the pagans. As those who sacrificed to demons. Now one of the things that we know. As I've mentioned before. Israel for most part. Was cured of idolatry. After the 70 years of captivity. and I've mentioned that several times to you here. That is why. Anything that, re, get, that will even resemble idolatry, Israel fought and fought. The, you know, people hear about it in the and all That's all those uh, people who are militants to fight against anything that represents idolatry. That's when one of the emperors wanted his image in, you know, his image uh, monument or whatever put in Jerusalem. And they say, Oh God, I did bodies and they laid their bodies to cut their neck but you're not going to bring that uh, idol inside Jerusalem and eventually the Roman government backed down why? because they knew from their experience that it was idolatry that sent them into Babylon for 70 years they knew that so at least in the New Testament time they wouldn't do that doesn't mean that you know, they accepted Christ but that did not mean that But they wouldn't accept anything that represents image. Therefore, we know then that the the apostle couldn't be talking about the Israel of his time. Or even a little bit before that. But he was focusing on the Corinthians. Anyway, so there are two reasons for this interpretation of saying he was talking about the Corinthians and not the people of Israel. The first reason... Is a contrast in verse 20, so that the contrast makes sense. If you were contrasting the pagan Corinthians to ancient Israel, then it makes sense. Furthermore, the word sacrifice the apostle used is in the present tense, in the Greek. The implication is that the apostle was thinking of something that was still going on in Corinth, Than in Jerusalem Since it is clear Israel no longer Got involved in idolatry After their return from exile They never did But the present tense Talks about something that was still going on Of course One could argue that A present tense Was also used in verse 18 But the present tense the apostle Used in verse 18 Was in connection with a participle That describes those who ate The sacrificial uh, Or the sacrifices Israel offered And so the present tense of verse 18 Is different really From that used in verse 20 So in any event We agree that the pronoun deaden, That the apostle used In the original uh, Of 1 Corinthians 10 verse 20 Refers to pagans Or to the Gentiles. All the same, the apostle, when he wrote the clause of First Corinthians ten twenty, when he said the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. That gave the truth about what the pagans do when they sacrifice to the idols, that, that you know that that are really not in themselves real. Although they represent something real, but they're not real. So when pagans offer their sacrifices before their idols, they believe that they are offering to the true living or divine being that is their creator. But the apostle indicates that that's not the case. Now, what will a person you know do? That always they believe that they really believe it. I use you know more than the. Today, Why would a human being want to blow themselves up Because they are promised of something Unless they believe it They have to believe it That's why believing is a powerful thing But the problem is The object of their belief must be true Otherwise their belief is meaningless And that's what we see today Of all these religious people They really believe what they believe They are mistaken because what they believe in is not real Now so, in these cases The pagans, their sacrifices Are not those to the supreme God Who is the creator of the universe Instead, their sacrifices are made Not just to the lesser gods But to those that are enemies of God Or the enemies of the supreme God The creator Described with the word demons Now the word demons Is translated from a Greek word that may refer to transcendent incorporeal being with status between humans and deities. Hence, the Greek word uh, used here may mean semi-divine. Semi-divine being or inferior deity. As that's the way the word is used to describe pagan gods In Acts, chapter 17, verse 18. Acts, chapter 17, verse 18. And hold on to Acts, I'll come back to it shortly. Acts, chapter 17, verse 18. It is a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers Began to dispute with him Some of them asked What is this babbler Trying to say Others remarked He seemed to be advocating foreign gods They said it's because Paul was preaching the good news About Jesus and the resurrection That sounded so strange to them. How can somebody die and, and resurrect? They just, just could That's why they say he's a bubbler. Anyway, the phrase foreign gods may be translated foreign deities. Foreign deities. Now the word translated demons may refer to hostile transcendent beings and so mean evil spirits or demons. It is... The meaning "demon" that is predominantly used to translate the Greek word in the NIV. Now we'll say more about demons later. We will do, you know, review it quite a bit, but for now we are concerned with the implication of the sacrifice of the pagans. The implication. Now the sentence we are studying, First Corinthians ten twenty when you look at it again say the sacrifices the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons not to God that implies a contrast between Israel and the pagans. Now Israel, when not in apostasy, offers sacrifices to the supreme God the Creator. In contrast to demons, that the pagans offered their sacrifices. You see, the word "God" is really translated from a Greek word "theos," theos, t h e o s, That's really in Greco-Roman world may refer to a supernatural being. Who exercises extraordinary control in human affairs Or is responsible for bestowal of unusual benefits Hence the Greek word means deity, god, goddess As that's the way the word is used by the islanders of Malta to change their view of Apostle Paul when a viper coiled on his hand without him being beaten in Acts chapter 28 verse 6 Acts 28 verse 6 now this is one of those things that reminds me how how fickle we all humans are no, we our opinion know, changed this as as quickly as possible. Yes, see they, they thought something wrong with Paul once after the, he escaped shipwreck and now here comes his viper wrapped around him that they know. And signal state because that viper bites uh, buys you you come. I mean it's just that's just the way it was. Anyway, so that wrapped around Paul that happened Look at what it says. Acts 28 verse uh, actually, 6 reads The people expected him to swell up or, sod- uh, or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happened to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now the word God has terror. However, in our passage of First Corinthians, ten, verse twenty, the word "really" is used for the one supreme, supernatural being as creator and sustainer of the universe. That is God. Now, so the sentence of First Corinthians, ten, twenty: the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God should remind us that we humans have the tendency to believe that we are right in what we do. We have that tendency. That's why we read the scripture. So the scripture asks us this truth that we, are, you know, we usually believe we are right. That's what we find in, in given several places, especially in Proverbs. You take for example That the truth of what I've just stated is given in Proverbs 21 verse 2. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 2. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 2. He says, he reads, All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Now the word weighs here refers to action or conduct. So the application of this sentence in Proverbs is that those who are involved in idolatry, as indicated by sacrifice to idols, were convinced. They were right. They are convinced. That means a lot, many people, they are convinced, they are right, they lock your mind. And you say, let's take the reason. What reason? They don't listen to your reasoning. They already made up their mind. You can reason all you want. They are not hearing you. That's just typical of humans. That's why we have a lot of problems. People can't uh, listen to arguments anyway so these people they thought they were sacrificing to the creator but they were mistaken in fact as we have stated it's not even that they were sacrificing to the lesser gods but the the lesser gods that they are are sacrificing are those that are inimical to God those were very hostile to God the demons now for, for the lesser gods though That are not hostile to God Know that they are never the object of worship The lesser gods may know that They are never the object of worship Uh, uh, As we may learn, for example From the reaction of the angel That gave Apostle John his visions As we read in Revelation chapter 19 verses 9 through 10 Revelation, Revelation chapter nineteen verses nine through ten. Remember when we studied uh, our first chapter eight, I did indicate that yes, angels are part of uh, the lesser gods when they're sent on it and, and. they are lesser gods, but once they go on a mission, they describe as angels. He said, Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant. With you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So anyway, an angel will not take worship. Demons invite them. The lesser gods that are uh, hostile to God they want to be worshipped. Hence Satan wants worshipped. So anyway, the sentence of First Corinthians 10 verse 20, the, the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God, that we are considering should remind us that we should evaluate what we do by the scripture. The church of Christ has suffered since the third century where we are replacing God's word with traditions and customs and, and cultures adopted from the Greek cultures, Roman cultures instead of the Bible. Now you, I can almost, if you, if you really do uh, sit around and find clearly most of any practice that you cannot find in the Bible is adopted by those people who lived at that time in the first three after I mean after the first century really from second century on most of them they were adapting Greek cultures to fit in certain things where the Bible didn't fill in instead of looking to the Old Testament for example they go to the uh, the culture the Greek cultures and come up with all kinds of things so that is one thing we know but they thought they were right but they were, were really dealing with the demons anyway the point is that pagans do not really know the supreme God and so there is no way for them to know that their sacrifices were offered to demons, there is no way for them to know that now we know uh, we ourselves, we we will not know that, except that the Holy Spirit has revealed that to us through what the apostle Paul said in the passage we are studying. how would you have known that somebody who is offering something is doing it to the demons we wouldn't know that. That's the reason I know some people think, oh, yeah, you're a fanatic. Well, I'm a fanatic for Jesus Christ, His word, His word. Yes, I am. If you cannot show it to me in the Bible, I don't want to have any part of it. None. Because you, if you want, know, that's your business anyway. So the apostle stated that the pagans sacrifice to, uh, to demons. But we indicated that their sacrifices. Exposed them to demons. So we say this because of the implication the apostle had already conveyed in verse 18. Regarding the significance of the sacrifices of the ancient Israel. Now we noted that their sacrifices meant they were identified with the true God or the supreme God. Or they were in fellowship with him. Now this being the case... It is proper to understand that when pagans offered their sacrifices, that they came into contact with demons, since they are the ones that will want believers, I mean in this case even Muslim believers of course, to worship them instead of the supreme God. Thus, we contend that a second declaration of the apostle regarding the nature of Of the sacrifices the pagans offer to their idols is that they expose the participants to demons and not to the supreme God of the universe. Now the fact that the sacrifices offered by pagans expose them to demons is supported by what the apostle did not want to be true of believers in Corinth. And so what he doesn't want to be true of believers everywhere. He did not want them to have fellowship with demons by sharing any part of the sacrifices made to idols. As we read in the last clause of where we are studying 1 Corinthians 10 verse 20. Last clause reads, And I do not want you to be participants with demons. See the apostle's desire expressed here is simply that he they do not want the Corinthians to be partakers of the demons. In effect, he does not want them to have fellowship with demons. Of course, it is true that the Apostle stated what we have, but indeed, it is God the Holy Spirit that conveyed to the Apostle what he stated, and so we know that, God the Holy Spirit does not want believers to have fellowship with demons. Now such will be the case if the Corinthians share the sacrifices of the pagans that they offer to the idols. Now this will involve eating meat in the restaurants attached to the pagan temples. So the implication... Is that whether we know it or not Anytime we participate in a celebration That has to do with idolatry Such as Christmas and Halloween We have exposed ourselves to demons It's important, we understand that So we have to be careful Not to expose ourselves to demons By the celebrations of the world That are tied To idolatry. Now, celebrations associated with idolatry are not the only things that expose a believer to demons. But any visit to where idolatry is practiced has certainly the same effect. You know what people do? Around October here, they say we go to haunted houses. They are exposing themselves to demons. And believers do, you know, follow them. You wonder, anyway. (laughs) So, what the thing is, the fact that uh, you expose yourself, you go to the same place, then you, what you do is, as soon as you do that, you expose yourself to demons. Now, this fact is really demonstrated by an account I read of a little boy in India. That suddenly lost his power of speech and showed signs of fits. Now, to many people, such an experience will be dismissed as a chance happen. A young boy suddenly lost his speech, started throwing fits and all kinds of things. People say, Oh, he just got suddenly sick. Well, as the narrative was given in the book. Title, here's the title of this book from where I'm quoting. It's called Demon Experiences in Many Lands. That's the name of the book. Demon Experiences in Many Lands. And this book is compiled by Moody Press. And what I'm giving you is given in page 22. So it was determined by the missionaries that a boy played under a tree where Hindus worshipped spirits. So the implication is that because a boy was under such a place, he came on into contact with demons that were responsible for his condition by playing under a tree. Now this tree is where people go and sacrifice and do whatever they do the, in hedism. Now thankfully though, through prayer, the boy, the missionaries realized what was going on, and they asked the parents question, and they said, oh, yeah, he played around that tree. And that's how they found out. And so the missionary, through prayer, they prayed and God in his mercy the boy was healed. So the point though, is that merely exposing oneself where idolatry is practiced. Exposes one to demons and the activities. Thus, when the apostle conveyed to the Corinthians, that he did not want them to be partners to demons. He implied that the Corinthians should avoid any place associated with idolatry and and not be associated with demons. In other words, something again we really apply the declaration of the Holy Spirit through Apostle Paul regarding the participation with demons to mean that you should be careful. Not to expose yourself to anything that has to do with idolatry, since such exposure leads to exposing self to demons. in any event, a second general reason the apostle supplied to the Corinthians and so to us to avoid idolatry is the nature of sacrifices that indicate A relationship between the offerant and the recipient of the sacrifices. Specifically, that such sacrifices offered to idols expose one to demons. Consequently, if you do not want to be exposed to demons, or expose yourself to demons, then avoid idolatry in any form or shape. Now this brings us... To the third general reason for prohibition against idolatry. But before we do, we need to review the doctrine of demons. And that's what we really do in our next study. Meanwhile, I want to let you go home by reminding you again. The message of First Corinthians 10 verses 14-22 which we have been studying is our believers. Should avoid idolatry Since everything associated with it Is incompatible With the Christian faith Exposes one to demons And so harms One's fellowship with the Lord Let's pray As we close our study this morning There may be someone here Or someone listening over the internet But if you were to die now You go straight to hell Because you do do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. You may have even been baptized. Yes. You may go to church regularly. Yes. You may be a nice person. You never harm a fly. But my friend, here's the problem. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you have no leg to stand on. Nothing. And so... You only have to you come to, you know, to the point where you accept what Christ did for you. Because the Bible is very clear. None of us will get to heaven by what we do. That's why it says, all our righteousness, our life fills the right things are thinking before God. So, the only option is to look to what God did. And what He did was to send His Son, Jesus Christ. Who left heaven in all his glory. Came to this planet. Took on a human form. And lived. And preached. did miracles everything to identify. That he is the son of God. After which he was arrested. Tried. And crucified. During his trial. They tortured him. He didn't complain. They did all kinds of things to him. as it was awful torture. Yes, that was nothing like the torture of sin. So, he endured the orders until the last three hours on that cross, when my sins and your sins were poured on the Son of God, being judged by the Father. It was so unbearable. He let out that cry, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken that you may be brought in, he was forsaken that you may have life. How the Bible said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. What are you going to believe again? The Bible said, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Believing in Him, you have life through His name. If you believe that He died for you, rose again the third day, you will save eternal life. On the other hand, if you say, I don't really care, my friend. You are knocking at the door of hell. And hell is not a place you want to go. So believe in Him and escape God's judgment. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the study of Your Word. We pray that God the Holy Spirit impress upon us as believers the importance of avoidance of idolatry in any form or shape. This is our request in Christ's name. Amen. Please sit down and wait on Mr.